I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group working to stop a Tory hard Brexit and building for the Labour bloc at the People's Vote on the 20th of October 2018, only a week away. Make sure you're there. I'm here, joined by Steve Anglesey. Steve? Hello, snowflakes. In a little while, Jerry will be joining us for a, a jolly sort of jape-filled uh, ten minutes talking about um, political sense of humour. Yeah, should p- politicians have one? Well, there doesn't seem to be much of one, does there? Well, well, we'll get there. Yeah, but uh, two. You know, this is a podcast full of humour, of course. It's yeah. So it stick is. with us for, for laughs. It's be laughs. a laugh riot, a riot of laughter and excitement. <laughs> Absolutely. So we'll do the news now, but we'll also uh, in a little while do uh, Brexit of the week, of course. But first, DUP. Yeah, DUP. They're terrifying, aren't they? They are. They're like the um, like the Mitchell brothers <laughs> of the political <laughs> landscape. Very you know? much so. They just sort of turn up and look mean. They do. And they've got red lines. Oh, yeah. Orange oh, lines. Everyone's got red lines. <laughs> Very good. Everyone's got red lines, haven't they? The, oh. but they've got blood red lines, <clears throat> they well, said, didn't they? Which is like, should we, should we start talking about blood in Northern Ireland? Is I that just, a really a good idea? They're just really sinister. I saw Arlene Foster. I, I walked, I, she was walking up some steps. Yes. And I was walking down some. Yes. Um, in Birmingham. Ten days ago. Oh, okay. And she is terrifying in real life as is well. Is she? She's quite scary. I, I just, I certainly wouldn't uh, want to cross her. No. Or any of her red lines. But, um, so but she's, it's quite, this whole thing is, is quite remarkable, isn't it? Because I remember years and years ago, 20 odd years ago, when I used to work on football magazines, a mate of mine worked on, the, he, he ran the West Ham magazine and uh, official club magazine and they had just West Ham had signed a bloke called Marco Boogers do you remember this bloke he was I Dutch. do remember that yeah yeah I do he remember. was Dutch and he played two games he got sent off in the second game and he got banned for like four weeks or something like that and he sort of went back to Holland and it, it, his mind wasn't in it he cost him a million quid and he basically played two games and they didn't get any money back for it right and this bloke this, this guy Tony uh Asked Harry Redknapp, he went, well, Marco Boogers then, 
he said, that's, you know, it's a bit of a waste of money, isn't it? And Harry Redknapp said, well, you don't get much for a million quid now. Mm. And you don't get now, you don't get much for a billion quid. No, quite. It would seem, it would quite, seem like. Not even, your, um, not even your confidence and supply deal. Yes. Um, so the DUP, I'm sure you're up to speed anyway, but just to bring you up to speed, are uh, playing this sort of game of brinkmanship um, and saying, if you cross our red lines, yeah. we may well... Uh, withdraw our support. Yes, um, and I imagine that's going to get Number Ten a little bit worried um, but, because but, does Theresa May have the numbers? I don't think she does without the DUP. But are the DUP really going to vote down mm-hmm. the budget and have to hand back this one billion, uh, one billion pounds? I think they probably. And would. are they really going to vote down whatever Brexit deal is put before? the House of Commons and risk, you know, if Corbyn. there is an election, so risk Corbyn, yeah. who would be no friend, but, but but almost certainly lose the influence that they have got now in a you would, any kind of election, you would think even not. if May won. You would think no. not. But nonetheless, these are the kind of people that you're never quite sure what they might do next. Yeah. And I, I would be more worried by their threats than the sort of half-arsed... Yes, half-empty threats from the ERG. Now, the ERG, I'm well, told, yeah. are working very closely with the DUP. Um, I mean, the is there a way... It's like an acronym <laughs> soup, isn't it? It's... Is there a way that they could... I mean, are the ERG, the European Research Group, like yeah. Brexiteers, are they saying, don't worry about it, even if we topple May, one of our guys will be in a top job then and, you know, we'll... You'll have even more influence. He's another billion quid. Well, I guess they, I, I guess they might be. You know, I, I guess that that might be the, that might be the idea. But it, you know, it, 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 it. Do you do you really think that the ERG and the DUP have got enough numbers to take over the you're Conservative right, Party? Well, no, but you're right about the acronyms there. I start, it started to sound like the end of um, <laughs> of that. Of which pistol, sorry, is it? Uh, anarchy in the UK. Oh yeah, is this the is this the uh, UDA? I thought it was the IRA. Oh, or I thought it was the UK rather. Um, I, I mean, no, you're right. They don't have the numbers, but they, but big threats. Um, the Brexit spokesman Sammy Wilson writing in the Telegraph. The he's a Sammy Wilson's also a receiver in the National Football League, isn't he? The American isn't there a Sammy Wilson who? Yeah, there is. He uh, used to play for Buffalo, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Is, is it the same Sammy Wilson? I think, think? probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. you know. As long as, as long as they're not on a short week in the NFL, he's got plenty of time. <laughs> That's fine, yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, it's not just about Brexit legislation. He's talking about the you know voting the potential you know yes. not backing it. I mean, he's talking about welfare policy and more. Yes. So these are all the areas that were explicitly mentioned in the yes. confidence and supply arrangement. Isn't it funny how Arlene Foster wants to? She wants to to differ from the UK about same sex marriage and the rest of the UK same sex marriage and abortion, but when it comes to Brexit, she wants to go along with anything the UK. Yeah. Says very odd. It is quite odd, isn't it? <laughs> so there is a conspiracy around all this. Yes. I've been doing a bit of digging. You've got your tin. I've got foil my tin hat foil. On. I've got oh, whole hat. Yeah. I oh, know pants. Oh. I've got tin foil underpants on. It's a I got Tim, it wrong. Tim Four helmet joke. It's a bit a... Bad thing, <laughs> it? No, it's not very comfortable. Thank goodness um, for that. But, you know, never mind. I shall use them for my chips later. Yes, what's the conspiracy? Well, the conspiracy... So, Gavin Williamson, yes. my very oh. favourite, 
I bumped into him at conference. I asked him if he brought Cronus. And what did he say? He, he said, no, I haven't. Are you a fan of the spider? Are you a fan of the spider? I said, a huge fan, a huge fan. Yeah. Spider's but, biggest fan. But did he mean the spider, you know... Cronus. Cronus the spider. Or, is, or, or did he mean the spider as a, as a genus, as a species? I think, well, I'm not sure. He, he's, he, Are he's, you a fan of the spider? His spads were not that... Happy on him talking randomly to some bloke in the middle of the conference uh, oh, right, okay. concourse, so quickly moved him on. Um, I thought the spider might be some something else. I thought it might be some move that he would <laughs> well, make and you, if we got near the fireplace. Are you a fan <laughs> of the spider? Oh, oh goodness. Mr. Williamson, it's like you've got eight arms. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Um, he is very close to the DP. Yes. Right? And obviously is... Yeah. Um, in his uh, in his current role, he's a, he's a cabinet minister. Yes. So he's obviously also close to the prime minister. So, is he actually formulating a, a sort of Machiavellian plot mm. to put pressure on the EU? Yes. This is being spoken about. I'm not just making this up. I know oh, it's okay, far fetched. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, the DUP were never going to re- remove their support, and they're just trying to freak out the I think EU. There's an, I think there's an element of this, isn't there? But I think they, you know, don't, don't Theresa May know exactly what she's going to get from the EU? It's not completely out of the out of the. I would believe anything that in any conspiracy theory that involved Gavin Williamson. Yeah. Because he has got something of the, the something of the night, hasn't it's he? It's more than that. Well, it's not just spider. something of the night. He has got a spider. But he's, so, you know, I watched him. Um, I was out. I was outside the conference center, and he came in, you know, with his entourage. Yes. And he doesn't walk. He sort of sweeps. You know, like Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. Dracula films. Yeah. He sort of just arri- he arrives. He just. It's almost like his legs don't move. If any cabinet minister was going to turn up wearing a cape. Yeah. You would think it would be Gavin Williamson, yeah. wouldn't you? He's, I've said it before, I'll say it again, he's my favourite. Yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, Gavin yeah. Gavin for PM. Good. Kronos for... <laughs> Kronos for Chancellor. Chancellor. <laughs> Chancellor what Kronos. drink would he have? That he would be amazing, wouldn't Kronos. He wouldn't be like, I can have whiskey if I want, but I'm just going to have water. He'd have a bottle of Remy Martin, wouldn't he? he? Would. Like a rapper, sweet. How would he do it? How would he deliver his budget speech? In web form? He would spin it like in Charlotte's Web. Exactly like that. That would be su- superb. Yeah. Some budget he would spin on it. <laughs> yeah. I'd like it if he just held, Gavin Williamson just held a little <laughs> box with him up to his ear and went, what's that, what's that? What's that Kronos? <laughs> 10p on the packet of fags and, and put your freezing fuel duty. <laughs> and then what? what is it? Like, uh, like, like, like Sutty like and Matthew. Like Sutty um, and Mr. Corbett, indeed, yeah. Indeed. Fantastic. Yeah, well, that, that would be an option. I mean, when the reshuffle comes, I yeah. think that's an option. It's true, though, that Arlene Foster has got a massive mandate for to, to be as awkward as possible, because obviously... Oh, I thought when you said mandate, I thought you meant, like, yeah. you and her were going out we, tonight. We are going out, yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. Because, right. of course, the vote in Northern Ireland was 56 to 44 for Remain. Absolutely. And she's the Assembly <laughs> member for Fermanagh and South Tyrone. Yeah. Uh, where the the vote was fifty nine percent remain. Yeah, but I mean, DUP so, sure. DUP have never really listened to reasonable arguments, have they? No. Um, and I expect uh, no. that will continue for, for some time yet. Yes. Talking uh, of not listening to reasonable argument. Yeah. Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Slapped down by his own sister. That's, that's good. That's great. Yeah. New European columnist Rachel Johnson, of course. 
Have I mean my my question about Boris now is that I, I don't having witnessed the speech. Yes. Having been around conference and been spat out the other side of it. Yeah. Literally. Y- yes. Um, spat out outside of it. Basically. Spat out. Well, not this year actually. Not but, this year. Uh, but last year was. Despite your pleadings. Last year sure. was. Um, last year was there was some spitting and throwing of fruit. <laughs> There was. Was there? It wasn't just. Oh, yes, of course, at the Labour conference. No, at. Um, at, at the top... Tory conference? Yeah. Who threw fruit at you? Well, some anarchists. Ah, anarchists. They thought because I had a suit on, I must be a Tory MP. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, which I'm not. No. I well, did tell them this and showed them my press card, but then just more fruit. That right would have been right. even, yeah. <laughs> even harder fruit. Yeah. This is the, that was the politician's fruit. This is the journalist's fruit. Still in a cab. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, so um, I, I just wonder what he achieved, really. And I wonder if this is the end for Boris. You know, when we arrived at conference, everyone was saying, oh, we should just shut up now. I don't dislike him. Mm. Don't dislike his policies. I think he's got something. But it's time for the Tories to come together. I wish you'd go away. Yes. Then it built to this moment, this big speech. Yes. Which, you know, a load of bluster and nonsense, no detail. No, of course Absolute, not. Absolutely. Not exactly what you would expect from Boris. Great fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. A few giggles here and there. But he literally, I mean, I know that it was still very much in progress only about 12 hours before it was delivered. So the thought that went into probably, it was minimal. Probably made two. Did, he wrote, yeah. probably wrote two probably speeches, did. didn't yeah, he? Yeah. Probably did. Um, I, and I just wonder if actually the conference left thinking, yeah, you know, is he all that? We we like we we don't dis, I don't think they dislike Boris. I think they just think that his time has been and gone. Is it like um, when David Davis made that terrible speech at the conference where he was running against Cameron and? Everybody seemed to, by the end of the week, the, the sort of the energy had all, yeah, you know, the, yeah. everything had just dissipated, hadn't I think, it? Yeah, and I think that to an extent has happened with Boris. He, he, he's been tweeting, hasn't he, about backstops, but yeah, I, I don't know, no, is anyone really listening anymore? I just wonder if he's said it all at once. It's like he, it's like he, you know, he fired his entire arsenal over the course of about three days and now he's got nothing else to say and and it's moved on. Well, it's a bit late now as well, isn't it? Because, as you say, he had the he had the opportunity, he had the, the, the piece in the, in the mail, he had the piece in the Telegraph, he was about to make his conference speech. People queued up for... Did you go to the speech? Yeah. Could you not... Yeah. Right, so people queued up for over an hour, didn't oh, they? No. Oh, no, no, no. More no. than an hour. Oh, yeah. I got to... So it started at one... Right. I arrived at conference centre at about half past nine. Right. I went to find the room yeah. where it was going to be, just to make sure I knew where it was. And and it was fairly quiet. There were some people milling around, but I wouldn't go as far as there were a queue. Yeah. Um, at half past ten, I returned, and there would have been well over 200 people there. Really? So and they weren't able to get in for two for another two hours to sit down. Yeah. Wow. And and the journalists started queuing at about 11 because we had a media entrance. Good so gracious. I queued Who I did you queue up behind. Uh I queued up behind Nick Cecil of the Evening Standard. Oh yeah. Good. Does who does Beth Rigby have to queue up? Uh, I didn't see well, it was it was taken. Kay Burley took it, so she oh, she right, was okay. backstage. You know, she was yeah, yeah. She just she, there's a door and she wants to go through it. She's going through that door. He's Kay, Kay Burley. Burley. Yeah, um, you don't mess with Kay. Uh, I didn't see Beth, but um, there were. I mean, it was a hilarious queue. I should take a picture of the it's media great. queue because you know there's Norman Smith and Trevor Kavanagh. 
Trevor, Cameron. Trevor Cameron of the Sun, famous, very yeah, famous yeah. Um, veteran of the lobby, arrived with an MP who was obviously down named on the list to get in, and they went straight to the front of the media queue, and it, which was like the VIP queue, and the um, and the woman with the clipboard said, uh, "Yes, of course. I can't, I can't remember who the MP was. I, didn't, I have to I say I honestly didn't really recognise him." And then he said, and, and Mr. Cavern of the Sun is a journalist. And this woman just went, and he went to go, you know, to, straight through. And she went, I don't care who's a journalist for you, secure it with the rest of the journalists. You'll have to get to the back of the queue. And Mr. Cavern, a very polite chap, said, Well, of course, I wouldn't dream of pushing in, no. And then just stayed at the front of the queue, <laughs> right? And she, and she wouldn't let him in. Brilliant. So they were letting us in 10 at a time, and he just sort of stood there looking hopeful. Brilliant. I don't think he got in. Excellent. Um, Yes, it was a very strange, wonderful event. news. But he, but it was, I mean, it sort of ended with him. His big rallying thing was, I hope she, I hope she changes her mind. It wasn't. Well, I'm there was about a, to topple her. There, or, well, exactly. So it built. It was I mean, the, it was about. It wasn't a good speech. Absence actually. of red meat, wasn't there? Yeah, you know, it was. It, it wasn't a great speech. It rambled a bit. The best bit of his speech was when he talked about what he deems as his successes as a London mayor. That was one of the bits that got the biggest laugh because he mm. sort of started rambling on like this list was endless. But basically, you could boil down the speech really simply to, I think we should do Brexit better, I want to be Prime Minister. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it got to that point at the end of the speech and you could t- you've been talking for about 40 minutes, you could tell that we were getting towards the end. And we thought that this was going to be a big political moment. You know, there was a yes. lot of journalists there, a lot of people there. Uh, about... About 1,500 people there. Certainly the biggest fringe event I've ever been to. And he said, so what we must do is back Theresa May. Yes. And the whole room went, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's not why we're here. We're here for you to say, I want to be Prime Minister, get your letters in. And I think what he was trying to say was back Theresa May so she feels confident enough to chuck checkers and move forward. Yes. Which he, I imagined, thought was clever and... Nuanced and but not you know, really not was seen it? as aggressive. And do you think Boris Johnson's a bit of a bottler? I think he bottled that speech. Yeah. So he bottled that speech. He's fine he? if he can he, hide behind he bottled, what he's written in the in a newspaper. He bottled the leadership he thing, did, yeah, didn't he? Yeah. Which where, where he should have just gone, fine. I'm going on my own. Yeah. I will. I'll continue I know, to stand against. I still don't really understand why he didn't. I, I've got in a vote of if it, if it had gone down to him and May in a vote of party members. Would he have won, still won that? I think he probably would still have won he that. Would have, it would have certainly been tight, wouldn't it? would it? have been very, very close. So yeah. he bottled that, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. he bottled checkers at che- actually at checkers. Yeah, has, yeah, if you're face-to-face with Boris, he's not going to disagree with you. Because it, until he can get behind he, he even toasted it at checkers, didn't know, he? Yeah, yeah. Whereas if he and David Davis then had huddled in a, a corner and gone, right, we are both walking out and we're going to get our own cabs... It would have, there would have been full scale war, wouldn't there? And you know there could have been a leadership challenge. The letters would have gone in. So he bottled that, and he's bottled it again. I think he has bottled it again. And I think unless he does something fairly quick to turn it around, I think that this is the end for for Boris's leadership ambitions. To be honest, which is uh, probably fantastic news. Well, it is good news. But I always I, I do think that there are a sizable. I mean, maybe it's a sizable minority. Maybe it is a majority of Tory members who. In much in the same way that everyone said Jose Mourinho will be a disaster as Manchester United manager because he doesn't believe in the Manchester United way of doing things and his football is not the Manchester United football. But you knew that he, it was inevitable that Jose Mourinho would end up being the manager of Manchester United. And in a way, everyone says Boris Johnson, detail-free zone, very flighty, 
um, you know, loose cannon, but it's still, to me, it seems almost inevitable that at one stage they mm. will vote for him as the Tory party uh, leader. Yeah. Or the leader of some bit of the Tory party, whatever bit is left after it tears itself apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, watch this space. There's another fine British uh, institution which is undergoing yeah, significant change. Yeah, an overhaul, isn't it? Well, this really stood out to us this morning, didn't it? Um, yes. This, uh, the, uh, cost, uh, we're talking about the Daily Mail. Mm. So, ha- so Geordie Gregg, full disclosure, used to be my editor, and um, and yeah. as far as is he a Geordie? He's definitely not. He's a not Geordie. Yeah. Absolutely. And has he? Does he shop you. at Greg's? I think that that is highly, highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, I think it, if you were to ask him what Greg's was, he might struggle with that. Yeah. But he is a very, very polite, pleasant man. A gentleman who's always been always been courteous and polite and uh, kind to me, um, and he takes over from Mister Dacre, yeah, another former of mine, and they're very different characters. And do we think we're already seeing a change in the in the paper's stance? It's not shouty, is it? It's not a shouty. No, I mean I think that the there was an interesting thing, wasn't there? When um, well, it printed that great picture, didn't it? Of the was it the ERG meeting where Bone and Boris and yeah, David yeah, Davis yeah, yeah, yeah. all the had their... that. It was um, yes, uh, no, it was a it was an it was event. a Patrick it, Minford thing, wasn't yes, it? it? An was, IEA, right. yeah, yeah it was right. the IEA yeah. rather than the ERG. But yeah, um, so they printed that. There's quite a lot of Brexit bad news stories in the Daily Mail nowadays. Bad jobs news. Yeah, they're a bit more being a bit more even-handed. Yes. Um, and I guess that they've not called anyone traitors or well, actually, they suggested that some of the rebels were traitors to, to Mrs. May, didn't they, the other day? Which mm. was a quite a remarkable thing. Mm. So it's interesting where we're going to go with that, and it will take some time before we know what Jordan yes. Gregg's Daily Mail is. But obviously, they were, they'd come to a point with Dacre, who, uh, whatever your views, and I'm pretty much I'm certain that most of our listeners and yourself, Steve. We're no great fans of his editorship no. or his newspaper, but he, the guy gave his life to that paper and he was a great servant to the paper, whatever you think of him and the paper, and was basically booted out. Yes. And he's kicking and screaming, trying to hang on as well, as far as I'm aware. But there is a definite, obvious right. move to detoxify the Daily Mail. Now, that's going to take some detoxification, but hmm. I think Geordie Grigg might be the man to do it. I mean, the Mail on Sunday, you know, remain paper. Well, it's now. Well, it's now very Brexity, isn't it? <laughs> just switch them round. Yeah, just switch them round. Just switch them yeah. round. Who's the editor of the Mail on Sunday? Is it Ted Verity? That's right. Yeah, who yeah. was sort of Dacre's side man, wasn't he? Yeah, so got rid of Rachel Johnson, of course. He did, but you know, she's now exclusively in our arms. She is. Yeah, we don't have to share she's her. Come into the light. Yeah. Uh, so, I think though this really screamed at us. In the Quentin Letts did a sketch. My sketch is far better, by the way, on the New yes. European website. But Quintin has got away with words, and it's not the yes. way that you would expect him to normally form these sentences. <laughs> yes. Let me read out the intro. This is the intro. Prime Minister's questions left me hoping the Conservatives lose the next election, lose it so badly their buttocks sting, and that Jeremy Corbyn, with whom I disagree on almost everything, becomes Prime Minister. It's not really what you expected to read in the Daily Mail, is it? Well, I mean, it's a little bit cleverer than just that. It's not vote Labour, this, but no, I don't think that would have gone in under No, Dacre. definitely not. My, this is my I... favourite bit. Mr Corbyn, a dispatch box clunker, scored a few runs by mocking Mrs May's claim to be ending austerity. 
Her replies dribbled on so long that one answer was, by my count, 250 words, dropping at the pace of cold glue. (laughs) (laughs) She lacked the verbal panache to argue for fiscal probity in a crisp theatrical way. I have been very clear that better times are ahead, squawked Madam Glumbucket. Oh, the old Glumbucket (laughs) is back. That's great, isn't it? How, How do you lose an election so badly that your buttocks sting? What is that about, ah, well, Quentin? Do you th- well, I think maybe John Major had stinging buttocks in 97. Well, but that was probably Edwina. Hey. <laughs> hey! But does it imply spanking? or? Yeah, I think so. Right. It's not- do you remember when I did a spanking sketch? I did a spanking sketch, didn't I, on the New European, off PMQs, and I got so much abuse. Yes, saying from, that from I- me. Well, no, not abuse from people on Twitter who said that I wanted to be abused, actually, and I wanted Theresa May to, to spank me with a paddle. Right, and and do you? Or? Well, I asked her, and <laughs> I mean, I shouted it, and her security were fairly quick to move me on, so I never yeah. got an answer. So, Theresa, if you're listening... Are you a fan of the paddle? Should I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're listening in, Theresa. Anyway, but, yes, okay, so it's a it's a... That corporal punishment reference, rather than a, well, let's let's not even yeah, go. Yeah, let's there. leave that. Let's leave um, that. But wait, overall, male. Well, I mean, it's it's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't. When he he says, he says that he found basically he was saying he found Prime Minister's Question Time boring. It was awful, and he said MPs were obsessing about issues with limited resonance, and he sort of said, well, austerity and mental health are. Limited yeah, resonance, which that, I well, think that that was an. Oh, you made there's a jibe in there about mental health, which was unfortunate. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also, you know, PMQs is usually, in my opinion, great for 15 minutes, hmm. and then after that, it becomes very uh, local very quickly. Yes, and that's fine if it's your area, but yeah. it is a chance for MPs to go to their local and regional papers. Look at me speaking to the prime minister about the crossroads. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all that's fine and great, and it's very important. I don't think really Quentin should be having a go at um, MPs no. for bringing up stuff from their constituencies. No, not really, no. Um, but Cor- actually, Corbyn, I thought at PMQ's uh, won by a clear margin this week. Yeah, I thought he, he did a good. good job. He took a theme... And he and he stuck to the theme and asked six different questions under one umbrella. Yeah, and it wasn't buses. Yeah, yeah, no questions about Brexit, obviously, but it wasn't the right time to ask about Brexit. Well, really. all, I think it's always worth getting one in about Brexit, but um, but he didn't ask any questions on Brexit for about three and a half months, so you know, it's yeah. not a great shot. Uh, so there we go. So the Daily Mail now our favourite newspaper. Yeah, they are. Um, the I've, I've we're told now, the journalists are happier. Yeah, I'm, seriously, they've put the deadline back. Have they? Yeah. So the journalists are happier, everyone's happier, everyone's got big smiles on their faces, and they can now wear rainbow-coloured shoes if they want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll speak to Jerry after this. In fact, he's wearing rainbow-coloured shoes. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One. Or order online at our website, www.theneweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Welcome back. I'm joined by Jerry. Hello. Hi, Jerry. You right? Yeah, are you? I'm good. I wanted to chat to you about humour. Did you? Well, it... You are in the wrong place, my <laughs> friend. <laughs> yes. Um, 
Possibly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's something that we uh, try and add a little bit of humour to the Brexit debate, don't yeah. we, here on the New European podcast. Um, but also, there has been, I think, um, this week a bit of a humour bypass. Yes. Because we saw a conference, and we spoke about this last week, Theresa May's dancing. She had a good old dance, didn't she? Bit yeah. boogie, yeah. And she's good at dancing, we like her dancing. She should do more dancing. More dancing. But then Jean-Claude Juncker... Also did a bit of dancing, didn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah, had a, little, had a little dance, had a little and dance. And it looked suspiciously similar, it didn't it? It was very similar. To Teresa's quite distinctive dance moves. She's got her own style, she yeah. She has. As have I. I imagine you do. Have you ever seen me dancing? No, no, I don't think I have. Looking forward to the work Christmas party for that. Yeah, I'll definitely be dancing at the work Christmas party. There was, there was, uh, there was um, you weren't, at, why weren't you at the TNE Christmas party last year? I don't know, uninvited clearly. No, I don't think that's true. There was definite <laughs> dancing there. <laughs> and there is, as I said last week, dancing on my Twitter feed. So yes. if you want to go and see it, do. It's, it's sort of 1984 era Morrissey. So is that, is I, that the year you're stuck in? I, whi- I whip an imaginary mic cord. <laughs> Do you? And I flail around with imaginary gladioli above my head. <laughs> amazing um, news. Absolutely amazing news. I always have, this time it's great, lots of gladioli, so I do sometimes dance on my own um, at my house with gladioli. But, but it was nothing quite as flamboyant as that from Jean-Claude Juncker. No. Um, but then Steve Baker... Mad, rabid Brexiteer. Yeah, not happy about it, is he? Went on um, Politics Live, yep. um, which is a show I'm enjoying, um, and said, "Oh, it's disrespectful." And the EU said they want to show us respect. And uh, I, do we need a sense of humour during this, you know, difficult period in politics? Of course we do. What a snowflake. Yeah. What an absolute snowflake. Get over it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yonker just having a bit of a giggle, wasn't it? a bit it? of a laugh. It wasn't nasty. There was no malice there, was there? It was obviously just a bit of a a bit of a laugh. And I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's back down. He said this comes on the back of us talking about the cherries. Yeah. Because you know, he said no cherries. That was funny as well, though. Well, I mean... <sighs> I think that there is definitely a place for humour in politics. Of course there is. If there isn't, then we're all just going to be depressed all the time. Can you think of any instances, taking Theresa May's dancing aside, where there has been actual attempts at some kind of humour which have have worked well or maybe not so well in politics? Yeah, I think the one I always remember is um, Ed Miliband and the Bacon Sandwich. (laughs) <laughs> oh god well I mean I don't think he was trying to be funny no 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 but he embraced it didn't he, d- he? well he's good at, he's good at humour actually yeah. isn't he Ed yeah 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 um, and look yeah I'm not saying he set it up or anything clearly he didn't but I definitely think he embraced it took it on the chin had a laugh with it and um, do you remember when Theresa May was spotted with those chips and he tweeted oh, yeah, her saying yeah, yeah. we need to talk <laughs> <laughs> he's good at stuff like that or he has been certainly since he was no longer Labour leader well yeah there's a great Twitter feed. I'm sure it's still there. I think it was called Ed Miliband doing stuff or something like that. <laughs> and there's a, there's a brilliant picture from inside some kind of meeting. Mm-hmm. And it's and the meeting is going on and you can see these double doors at the back. They're old wooden double doors with little windows in. And it just says Ed Miliband looking through a window. And he's sort of <laughs> it's hearing just there. It. <laughs> Really funny. I know but the one you mean. Check that out on mean. Twitter. And then, of course, he, he did take himself up, didn't he, on... Um, 
he did that Channel Four comedy show. I can't remember what it's called. Now. Oh god, yeah. And yeah, he dressed yeah, yeah. up as a he dressed up in a, in leathers, didn't he? Yes. And rode a bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last leg was it? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, um, and of course he's done the Radio Two show, so he knows how to laugh at himself. Yeah. Teresa clearly, I don't think she really does know how to laugh at herself. No. But has been taught how to. I'm also not 100 percent sure that what kind of Steve Baker's saying is reflective of Theresa May's attitude to I'm it either. Sure she'd be fairly relaxed about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think. Um, I mean, there's been some great dancing in um, politicians. Yeah. Um, there was uh, George W. Bush. Of course. Did some great <laughs> dancing. Obama did some genuinely great dancing. Oh, well, that's, that wasn't funny. That was just cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he could do everything he does is cool. Super cool. When he pulls the chain in the bathroom, it is cool. <laughs> right. It, the guy, it just oozes cool. Um, and of course, most famously, there was um, Yeltsin dancing. Well, I do think drink had been taken at that point, but it was a, it was a, that was a, that was fabulous. Um, but yeah. when, but can you think of someone when they, when someone's tried to be funny? Because the one that I always think that went drastically wrong was when David Davis stood for leadership and got those young ladies in very tight oh, yes. t-shirts to say I'm backing DD. That wasn't the best, was it? Well, they were trying to be funny, but they just came across as a bit dirty. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I've got really a bit nice. of a student politics story. It's a bit similar to that. I'll keep the person anonymous, because that's not oh, quite go on. fair. Go on. But someone... Uh, Is it someone we know? No, oh, well, potentially. Um, <laughs> was a, a, a person was running um, to, to get a student politics position, and um, this person's last name um, was Rand. So uh, their campaign uh, was Get Randy, oh. which was um, potentially ill-advised. Oh, yes, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> no, sure about that no, 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 no. Um, and, of course, with speeches, there's all, they always try and put a gag in. Yeah. And uh, usually they come in two forms. They're either um, self-deprecating, like Theresa May's very much was, and went down really well at conferences I spoke about uh, yesterday, or they are poking fun at the opposition um or, or indeed, you know, the opposition party uh, to them. Yeah. Someone who thinks that she's being self-deprecating and funny, but but isn't, just can't pull it off, mm. is Liz Trust. Did you see her speech at conference? <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, Every so, time. So she, she riffs off this. Uh, that is a disgrace speech that she did in 2013. I think I was in the hall for that speech. Yeah, absolutely. Gobsmacked. It yeah. was some speech. She tried to do it again this time, and she kept going on about how she was the bad boy of the treasury. Yes, I like that. I just don't think that anyone has ever referred to Liz as the bad boy of the no, treasury. No, but I like it. She I loves really to think like that it. she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a campaign tool, or as a tool to get the public on side, humour, should, should politicians use it less or more? I think less. I think my, my oh, example... Oh, right, I was expecting you to say more. Well, no, because they're doing it badly. Right. I think I think be able to take the fact that people will make the jokes about you yeah. and to kind of get on board with them, but I don't think politicians should be should be kind of making making the jokes themselves the example i was going to use was um when john mcdonald was uh bought that copy of chairman Mao's little red book oh my god what on earth was he thinking no i know i know that was supposed to humiliate george osborne wasn't it but frankly just terrified everyone everyone who'd ever heard of the great leap forward Um, yes that that was a very odd that that was very early corbyn labor where they 
really had no idea what they were doing. No. And, and they, they still have a very strange grasp on reality at times. But John McDonald's got better, I think. And he's he, he's not the funniest man on earth, is he? Uh, there were some great Obama speeches when they do the White House correspondence speeches that were very funny. Yeah, yeah. He did the mic drop, yeah. which was very funny. And it's now a gift which will last a million lifetimes. Absolutely. And again, oozes cool, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I can't though remember any really good gags that Blair did. Or that Cameron did, or that Thatcher did. They just no. It's difficult because I don't think I think without the cool factor, for example, that Obama has, it's really difficult for our politicians to pull it off. It's difficult to do, isn't it? And yeah. then so Theresa May is probably our funniest politician. Oh God, help us all! Is that where we're at? Do you think? I think it is, and kind of again unintentionally to begin with, she was just having a dance. Yeah, but anyway, as a little treat. And on this on this dancing theme, um, we, we, I've asked you to bring your piano in today. You mentioned your piano a few times on the pod. Yeah, I've dragged it in. You've brought it Carried in. Carried it on my back. Here, here it is. How did you get it in? <laughs> I'm very strong, Richard. Freakishly strong. Because we all know about your removal uh, <laughs> issues. But I'd like to share my personal life with the listeners of this podcast. You get it here. Well, the listeners of the podcast know that you couldn't get a sofa up the stairs, so you cut it in two. Um, you've managed to get the piano in and now out in one piece. Yep. Um, are you like putting the removal from on expenses? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And, You'll be getting a bill. And you've been practicing your ABBA in honour of humour in politics and indeed Theresa May dancing, which we still love. I have. So, Jerry, can I ask you to, what do you call it, tinkle the ivories? Ooh, creepy. Is that, is that <laughs> what you would say to someone who plays the piano? So, Jerry, if you'd like to take up your position, mm-hmm. what are you going to play for us? Um, I'm going to play a little bit of Winner Takes It All. Winner Takes It All. Here we go, Jerry Scott, take it away. Gag. I didn't realise you could play. I thought you were just going to bash the keys. Bit of chopsticks. Oh, That's excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Scott. You'll see me at the Christmas party. <laughs> I'll be dancing with Gladioli. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back to the new European podcast brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group. Changing Labour Party policy on Brexit, opposing a Tory hard Brexit and building for the People's Vote March on 20th of October. Find out more at labourc.eu now. And now is my favourite part of the show, the Brexiteer of the Week. Steve! Brexiteer of the Week. Um, let's start with Michael Gove. He has called for councils to throw open the doors of waste uh, sites, waste disposal sites, so we can search for gold among all the broken bicycles and the stained mattresses, like some kind of dystopian version of the detectorist. But what, um, what, have you ever found anything? I mean, I mean, I've been to lots of tips. I haven't been over tip heaps. So, but have you ever found anything useful in a skip or a no. bin? No. No, I haven't done. Ever seen anything? Uh, I haven't done. He's he, apparently he's been influenced, hasn't he? He's been he's either been to a local tip, or he has. Um, <laughs> this is probably never, what is this? What is this? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, rubbish everywhere. Absolutely, but he's either been to a local tip, or somebody has told him about this idea that they have in some tips where they do reclaim some of yeah, the, they do, yeah. uh, and then they sell it off. Yeah, not in the any of the tips that I've visited, so I can't. I've comment. been to a couple. There's a great one off the Holloway Road. That's you, my favourite tip. Listen. 
That's yeah. a, that's a tip for tip. Go, go around to the, it's brilliant. It's, it's off Hollowway Road near um, getting down towards the Emirates. Oh yeah. Just just What's off there. Uh, oh, some Wenger lying in a skip. Well, you can imagine that the sort of stuff that gets taken to that skip from a certain part. You know, there's a, a certain part of town, Islington, yes. Bosch Islington. He's he's nearby. Yes. So there's usually some good stuff there. A bit of. Decent. I mean, I've never taken anything home, but I've looked at it and thought, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I don't get this. Um, I do like the fact that Michael Gove said. Um, he said recently that Brexit would be a sea of opportunity, and obviously <laughs> it, we did, just didn't say it was going to be a sea of broken toasters, simply red cassettes, that kind of thing. And, and also, when he when he came out for leave, um, I don't know if you remember his long speech, which was actually very good, but he said that we will show the rest of Europe the way to flourish, and, yeah. and now what we will be flourishing is an empty aerosol can <laughs> uh, above our heads. We've taken back control. Um, unkind people are saying that because Michael Gove is married to the um, Daily Mail columnist Sarah Vine and presumably he reads her work, that the idea of trawling through mounds of fetid detritus <laughs> in search of a pearl or two is, is, is sort of keeping it in but the family. But she'll be a super, a, a super woke Remainer now, won't she? Well, Working obviously for the Daily Mail. she will do, yeah. <laughs> and other people have said that because Michael Gove is so closely resembles Pob, the children's oh, yeah, TV era. character, yeah. that it's not oh. really surprising that he should look at things like the Wombles and Bagpuss and, and, you know, go in for this sort of recycling and take strategy notes from the, the, the mice on the mouse orbit. Absolutely. Um, but isn't it true, and it's certainly true of the, the sort of council tips that I've frequented, that they aren't are full of quite a load of rubbish, you know? There the, is that. And, and don't people who have got... Um, don't people who've got actual stuff that works and they just don't want anymore, don't they put that on eBay? Or if they, you know, if, if they don't want to sell it on eBay or if they haven't got a car to take it to the waste disposal unit don't they put it on Freecycle or Gumtree and isn't all this stuff that Michael Gove is proposing just um, just a bit sort of, um, it's a bit outdated isn't it? Well, I, 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 I think, think so I mean I've never done Freecycle or Gumtree. I've done both like Freecycle and Gumtree, it's you? great, people turn up to your house and take away things, things that you don't want yeah. anymore, it's really I good. really like the fly tipping such a thrill. It is, yeah. You know, like so. I've got a little method whereby I, I put the boot, put the seats in the back down. Oh yeah. Put the, leave the boot open. Yeah, yeah. And then I have a little rope, and you just pull the rope so that the boot comes loose, and then just put the foot down, and you've got mattresses <laughs> flying out, beds also, and pull the rope, shut the boot again, and you're away home. Brilliant. Yeah, and I've started to get more and more. Um, brave, you know. I did it at like three pm on a Saturday afternoon through the city centre on that's, Saturday. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's like stream fly tipping. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, come on. Many years ago, I, I was I, I, once again. I I'll talk about my career writing about football and and did I you wrote, used to write uh, about football? I did used to write about football. It's funny you mentioned that. And um, and I spoke to this guy who was from uh, local TV in Derby, and he had done a feat. I was writing about what happens to old football grounds when they die. Yeah. And, People move, and he said that he had done a feature fly, prior, uh, at the baseball ground, the former home yeah. of Derby County, big fly tipping site. And he said he'd done a piece live to camera about <laughs> the fly tipping at, at the baseball ground, and wasn't it a disgrace? And he said, halfway through this thing, I had to jump out of the way because a car drew up very slowly, and a, a passenger threw a telly at me. 
That is proper extreme fighting. <laughs> actually <laughs> throwing a telly at someone while you're on well, telly. he was on camera That's complaining been... about the flying <clears throat> I need to up my gear. I don't know if you saw this, by the way, while we're still, just to put Coda on the Michael Go thing, was that there was a, a, a burglary suspect who was being held in jail in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. Did you see this at the weekend? Oh, saw, yeah. He escaped from jail by hiding. He was working in the kitchen. He just got in the kitchen bin. Yeah. His mates poured rubbish all over him, put him out in the thing for the rubbish bin, and then the rubbish van. And before the rubbish van came, he legged it over a, over a wall, and his name was Jeremy Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. He didn't really resemble the... He uh, didn't. He didn't look section. like him. But it would have been good if it had been the real Jeremy Hunt and he'd rebranded himself as Scavenger Hunt <laughs> and was just getting a jump on Michael Goves rooting around in, in uh, a load of old rubbish. Very good. Um, Nigel Farage, ah, yes. I don't want to talk too much about the nicotine-stained man-frog. He is a f***ing idiot. This week, <laughs> this week, uh, LBC, um, a caller came on and said, Theresa May... You know, two right wing, and Nigel Farage said, "Do you honestly think Theresa May can be classified as right wing? How is she right wing?" So there are two clues here, Nigel. Everything she says, everything she does. Um, <laughs> can I talk about the online version of the Daily Express for a little minute? Yes, please do. Which, now, obviously, the Daily Mail has gone sane, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. gone insane. It's now gone sane. Yeah. So the Daily Express is now the last bastion of Brexity. Fleet Street. I think we should start advertising in the Daily Mail. I think we probably should. It's, we're only now Britain's second biggest Remain supporting newspaper campaigning for a people's vote. It's the Daily Mail now. Um, and um, it's, they've got a new phrase that they, they use in a load of, a loads of articles. And I'm going to see, if you, I'm going to read out some recent headlines. These are all from about five days in early October. See if you can spot the the, the phrase yeah. um, that they like to use. Brexiteer shots down Labour front bencher during heated Brexit row. BBC host shots down EU supergirl in calls for Brexit rerun. Tory MP shots down Labour peer for demanding second vote. British MP shots down Dutch MEP in heated on-air Brexit row. Weatherspoon's boss shots down Remain campaigner with one simple point. Brexiteer shots down Labour peer demanding another vote and it's amazing they do they, they do stories every day with shots down in them where you know why though why they've got a new they've got a new young reporter yes um called skepta oh, that's it <laughs> that's it explains it all anyway I, I, i'm looking back at this to see when this started september 20th and 21st of this year right 48 little hours they published five articles wow. with shots down in the in the headline but they also published an article and this is i mean pulitzer stuff this oh, yeah. they published an article called how to force turn off or power off your iphone <laughs> but it didn't have shots down in it how to <laughs> shut down your iphone i'm going to shut that down now anyway there are technical reasons for, for using those terms that are obvious. Someone is looking through data going, You shut, shut down more! Give me another <laughs> shot, we need another shut down piece! Another shut down? God, God almighty. Anyway, Ian Duncan Smith? Ah, the quiet man. The quiet man. Never underestimate the strength of a quiet man. Absolutely. Um, did you see him at the Tory fringe? 
I saw him around and about. I don't think I ever saw him. Made a speech at the Tory Fringe. He said that he trained as an HGV driver in the 1980s. And he said, my instructor (laughs) used to hit me over the head and call me a dickhead every day. (laughs) (laughs) And I am willing to... That's a brilliant sitcom, this. Exactly. It's like Never the Twain, isn't it? But I am willing to bet that this had nothing to do with Ian Duncan Smith's driving ability of an HGV. He just went, shut up, you dickhead. This vision of him, Um, probably in a nice suit. It's it's superb. So, but I thought Ian Duncan Smith used to, he trained to be a truck driver. This is odd. This is all very odd. And what actually happened was Ian Duncan Smith was leaving the army. He was a lieutenant in the army. Or a lieutenant, rather, in the army. Sorry, he wasn't in the American army. Don't forget your cell phone when you walk out on the (laughs) sidewalk. That's right. I am going to the ATM in a minute. So so he was a lieutenant in the army. He decided to leave the army. Uh, He went through a a series of training courses at the end of them. One was to, to prepare him for Civvy Street. One was to be an HGV driver. Um, I don't know, but it was a two—it was a two-week course. And anyway, now, did he decide to become an HGV driver after leaving the? That would uh, have been great. The army. It would have been better for everyone. Yeah, yeah. On, right on his CB. Hello, this is Rubber Duck. Um, no, he actually—it was a close run thing, but he chose to become a junior executive at Marconi instead. Yeah. Well. Um, and also, like many truck drivers, he was dating an heiress at the time. Uh, he was dating Betsy, who he's still married to, he is. Uh, who is the daughter of the fifth Baron Cotslow of Swanbourne and Harwick. Yes, who owns the village of Swanbourne, where where um, where Ian Duncan Smith lives to this day. Uh, and he doesn't have a. Uh, did he get his class A drivers? Uh... I think he's yeah. He can be. Fa- he's like he's like Eubank, isn't he? He's all <laughs> to be found tootling around the village of Swanbourne and Harwich. In an articulated in lorry. Big articulated lorry. Oh, Ten yeah. four, good buddy. <laughs> he shouts. Not quite anymore. As he knocks yeah. over the old disabled <laughs> person and the unemployed guy. Any but the Brexiteer of the week. It's, There's it's, no unemployed people in Swanbourne. No, they've eaten them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Brexiteer of the Week is the aforementioned Boris Johnson. Right. And he is a sort of a latter-day Isambard Kingdom Brunel, isn't he? Because... <laughs> well, rem- without the actual... Yes, yeah, go on. The achievement, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But remember when he spent 46 million quid's worth of money on the Garden Bridge, but he didn't yeah. build a garden bridge no. or a garden or... I thought that what he should have done... Anything right, like that. ...was just stick some hanging baskets on the Millennium... And on the say, this is it! Ta-da! Yeah, that's, that's 46 million yeah. quid. Oh, how, do you, beautiful? how do you spend 46 million pounds on something without actually doing anything? Well, there you go. That's one of the many reasons why um, this c- country is... Uh... Then in January, he said we were going to build a bridge between England and France. And people went, well, that's what a great idea. If only there was some kind of road link between yeah. <laughs> England and France. How much will this cost? I think it was about £15 billion, oh, yeah, pounds, wasn't it? Like so it was yeah, quite yeah. reasonable. And then, unfortunately, experts... Damn it. Experts, again! Experts got in the way, didn't they, and said that because ships travel a lot between England and France, cargo yeah. ships, yeah. and they went, if you, you actually want to do this, 
it's going to this bridge is going to have to stand 500 meters above the waterline 500 meters <laughs> above the waterline to let huge ships pass through it it obviously would be the biggest construction job in the world now it'd be great though wouldn't it i mean now, i got but i don't think it should be a bridge like just like you drive over like dartford i think it should be like a roller coaster <laughs> so, but this is the, are you laughing yeah. you could strap your whole car into it yeah. right and I've got round the ships thing <laughs> because when you got to the middle bit where the ships go, you'd go splash like a log flume under the water and then you'd come back up the other side. So the ships could still have a shipping lane and you could do a loop-de-loop on your way to France. Well, that would be fantastic. And he's probably thought of that. But then, obviously, his new plan is for the, the bridge, the Brexit bridge, between mainland Britain and Northern Ireland. In fact, it's from Scotland to Ireland, isn't it? Yeah. And he outlined this... And he, he talked about it again in it's his... just obsessed his with... Fringe. Anything that's got anything alliteration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boris Bridge. Bridge. Boris Bridge. Yeah. Boris, Boris Bikes. Bridge. Boris I mean, Bikes. that's what yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boris's um, babies. There you go. Um, and... Um, I've got stuff to tell you about that off there. So he's... Um, <laughs> So he is. So he's outlined this plan for a bridge Brexit bridge between mainland Britain and Northern Ireland, and it was all of this sounding brilliant. And then uh, experts again. <clears throat> this retired offshore engineer has written to. He wrote to the Times, didn't he? Yeah, I think it was the Times. Uh, and he pointed out that in addition, he said be, be, because of the huge depth of much of the twenty-two mile route of this bridge, the project would require us to build 54 support towers of heights that have never been achieved of any tower every, anywhere in they the world. They would have to be anchored into the centre of the earth. So we'd have to build 54 <laughs> of these things and then put them in. Uh, and then he said the other point mm. is that the, the, the deepest part of this 22-mile route uh, we, we've used for years as a dump. For uh, and it now contains 1.5 tons of unexploded munitions. <laughs> but apart from that, it's a brilliant idea, it isn't is it? It's a brilliant idea. I mean, I'm just waiting. I, I, I love a bit of ambition. I love infrastructure. Ambition. I yeah. love ambition. I love building stuff. Yeah. Right? I'm always banging on about building roads, yeah. building bridges. Build, 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 I yeah. think. Porritt's pontoon. Absolutely. How long before Boris is building a bridge to the moon? If anyone would propose it, it would be Boris Johnson. Do you know what he's good at building bridges? <laughs> to your heart. To your heart. <laughs> I would not trust Boris Johnson to download a f***ing episode of the bridge, <laughs> let alone build a bridge. Although, of course, the bridge has got a big blonde in it who opens her mouth without the regard for you know anybody else's feelings. So Boris Johnson is the Brexiteer of the week. Congratulations, Boris. What should the listener do right now? Um, if you want to support the New European, a really great thing to do is to go to steadyhq.com. We've got a crowdfunder on there. Um, you, can, um, you can donate uh, some money to us uh, every month, uh, as much or as little as you like. There are three different bands on there. Please support our journalism. Please help us fight Brexit. Uh, Please do that. SteadyHQ.com. Just search for the New European on SteadyHQ.com. Uh, you can follow the New European. Like us on Facebook. Uh, you can join our readers group on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter uh, at the New European.co.uk. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Sanglesey. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Porritt. P O R R I T. And more importantly, 
you must like this podcast. Give us loads of stars, a lovely review, and uh, and uh, yeah, keep on keeping on. You are a very important part of a very rapidly growing resistance. Oh, cheers. Oh, you've meant them. You so much. Yeah, yeah, they are. That was the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group. Their campaign, LabourSay.eu, secured a debate on Brexit at their party conference and changed Labour Party policy to back a people's vote. Sign up to join them on the People's Vote March on 20th of October at LabourSay.eu. If you haven't already, please do go out and buy the newspaper. It's £2.50. It's on sale now. It's got what I think is one of our best covers. You cannot miss it. It's an absolute scorcher. There's lots of politics. There's lots of Brexit. But there's also tons and tons of art, tons and tons of culture. You will love it. We will be back next week. Until then, here is Mr Campbell with his famous bagpipes. Here you Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.